Um, you know, that's a really beautiful song. It's, that happens to be one of my favorite Christmas songs, Oh Holy Night. Um, such a beautiful, flowing melody, um, such powerful, powerful, hope-filled lyrics. That's not the song we're here to talk about tonight, though. The song we're here to talk about tonight is a much weirder song. And if you were here with us last week, I also love it. If you were here with us last week, um, we're talking about this Advent hymn that we sang at the very beginning, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, which uh, we have to acknowledge, I've got the words up here for the first verse, is a very strange song. Now, it's beautiful. It's got this haunting beauty to it, melodically. Uh, It's kind of, you know, minor, and it's got some strange intervals. And then it has that moment in the chorus where, you know, bursts into rejoice, rejoice, and it has this brief moment of triumph in the middle of all of the mournful song, uh, or the mournful tone tone of the song. Um, But so, like, the the tone of it's beautiful. It's one of the most well-loved Advent hymns not because of the words, but because of how it sounds, because the words are weird. And I don't know about you, but I remember being a kid and growing up singing the song in church, and I had no idea what I was singing about at all. Um, first of all, Emmanuel, I didn't know what that meant. Israel, or however you say it, I didn't know what that was. I had heard of Israel, but I thought that was something different. Um, you know, I didn't know why we were, why we were telling Emmanuel to rejoice, like what's wrong with Emmanuel? Why doesn't he want to rejoice? Um, so I didn't understand that, that that's not the end of the line. It flows over that we're rejoicing because Emmanuel shall come. I, I didn't get that. And most of all, I just didn't understand what this had to do with baby Jesus at all. Like I, it didn't make any, any sense to me why this was a song that we'd sing around Christmas. But there's actually a lot of rich theology in the song, and um, we're, we're unpacking it, not just because it's interesting, but because I think it's helpful. There's a reason that this is the quintessential Advent song, and it's because it communicates things that we need to hear and experience this time of year. So uh, last week you learned about what that word Emmanuel means. Anyone remember? God with us. God with us, literally. That's just how it's broken down. I'm still thinking about, what was it, hand shoes or something for mittens? I don't know. Doug Moss. Um, that was, uh, was good. Uh, so you learned about Emmanuel. It means God with us. Uh, this week we're going we're gonna to talk about that, that second and third line. So, O come, O come, Emmanuel. Come, O come, God with us. And ransom captive Israel, or Israel as we know it, that mourns in lonely exile here. I really want to talk about those lines because... I think those lines are the key to decoding the rest of this verse and maybe the whole song. Uh, that word exile, if you've been with us in, on weekends, you know that our last series, The Way Upstream, we talked a lot about the exile. Um, so part of the referent of the song is this historical event that happened in the life of Israel, a moment when God's people, this nation that was established to be uh, a prosperous nation, God made all these promises to Israel. I'm going to establish you, and you're going to be a land flowing with milk and honey, and I've got great things in mind for you, and you're going to show the world who I am, and I'm going to so bless you that you're going to bless all nations. And, and they started to believe that they had a, a really special destiny, but, but then the exile comes where God basically destroys his nation. He wipes them off the planet. They're scattered. They're taken into captivity. They're deported from their homeland. They're separated from each other. They're under the constant threat of persecution. Again, we just learned about that through Daniel. And most of all, they're feeling alone and forgotten and abandoned 
by God. Has God not kept his promises? What happened to all of the promises that we would, we would be blessed and we'd be prosperous and the milk and the honey and so blessed it will bless all nations and And what's amazing is that before the exile ever happened, God warned Israel that it would happen, but he also reassured them that it wouldn't last forever. Through prophets like Isaiah and some of the other prophets, God said exactly what would happen because of Israel's unfaithfulness. He couldn't allow them to go and exist to be this nation that was representing God because they no longer were representing God. They'd become so far from the heart of God and and so God says, no, I can't, I can't let people think this is who I am. But even while the prophets were promising all of this loneliness and destruction of the exile, they also were promising that the exile wouldn't last forever. That, that someday God would ransom Israel from their captivity. That he'd find them in their loneliness and their mourning and their grief and and he would come and not just rescue them, but, but that word ransom, that he would, he would pay the price to set them free. He would pay the price to buy their freedom. And of course, um, you know that, or hopefully you know, or if not, I'm telling you tonight, that, that it all happened the way the prophets said, that Israel was taken into exile about 80 years, and then God brought them back, and they, they got to exist as a nation again. And uh, in fact, that happened under Cyrus, king of Persia. Again, through the Daniel series, we talked about him. And so much so that Cyrus was seen as this, uh, this, this Messiah figure. If you were here with us last week, there were some Jews who actually believed that that prophecy from Isaiah talking about how a virgin will give birth to a son, and that son will be this great king, and he will be God with us. They actually believed that might have referred to Cyrus, because Cyrus was the one who allowed them to go home. Cyrus was the one who bankrolled Israel's establishment as a nation, paid for their temple to be replaced, um, did all these things. And, and so some of the people in that day actually believed that the prophecy was about Cyrus. Of course, we know better. Because the truth of Isaiah's prophecy, and, and this is true of all prophecies in the Bible, is that they're always bigger than just the thing that they're talking about. Isaiah's prophecy, and we're going to look deeper in Isaiah 35. I read you a verse of that earlier. Uh, the truth of Isaiah's prophecy is that it, it's always been bigger than the exile of ancient Israel in Babylon, and it's always been bigger than the rescue that was predicted to come through Cyrus. So um, we're going to look at Isaiah 35 now. And here's what I want you to do as I read these words. This is, again, Isaiah's going back and forth promising, hey, Things are going to get bad. You're going to be carried off into exile. Life is going to get really, really hard and painful. But then in between it, he keeps reassuring them. Uh, and this is the, the word of God that, hey, but it's not going to go on forever. I'll show mercy and kindness to you. I'll, I'll come and I'll rescue you and I'll be good to you again. So in the middle of this back and forth, here's Isaiah 35. And I just want you to hear the beauty of these words. Receive them like poetry. Don't, don't try to understand you know, too much about what they mean. Just, just picture these things in your mind. So God says, the desert and the parched land will be glad. The wilderness will rejoice and blossom. Like the crocus, it will burst into bloom. It will rejoice greatly and it will shout for joy. These barren places 
These forsaken places will suddenly just be filled with joy. The glory of Lebanon, the, the big cedar forest of Lebanon, will be given to the wilderness. They'll be as glorious as, as these grand cedar forests. The splendor of Carmel and Sharon, they will see the glory of the Lord, the splendor of our God. So because that's coming, strengthen the feeble hands. Steady the knees that give way, that are, that are just tired and weary and fatigued. Say to those with fearful hearts, be strong, do not fear, your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution, but he will come to save you. And when he does, the eyes of the blind will be open and the ears of the deaf unstopped and and the lame will leap like deer and the mute tongue will shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and there will be streams in the desert. The burning sand will become a pool and the thirsty ground bubbling springs and the haunts where jackals once lay Now grass and reeds and papyrus will grow and a highway will be there in that place. It will be called the way or the path of holiness. It will be for those who walk on that way. The unclean will not care to journey on it. Wicked fools will not go about on it. No lion will be there nor any ravenous beast. They will not be found there, but only the redeemed, the rescued, the ransomed will walk there. And those the Lord has rescued will return. They will enter into God's place of blessing, their homeland again with singing. Everlasting joy will crown their heads. Gladness and joy will overtake them. And sorrow and sighing will flee away. See, these words from Isaiah, maybe, maybe they're talking about the return of Israel from exile to come back home, but you can hear in those words that they're, there's something bigger being described here. And so, in, again, in Old Testament prophecy, we, uh, the word is we, we uh, interpret those prophecies typologically or typologically. We, we see there a prophet, prophecy with two focal points, two foci. There's a literal near fulfillment, but then there's an ultimate fulfillment that comes through Christ. So on one hand, you see Isaiah talking about, yeah, there's going to be this exile and you're going to live in Babylon and all this bad stuff's going to happen, but you're going to get to come home. And, and yeah, that's happening. But on the other hand, you hear Isaiah, and this is why we read Isaiah this time of year, Isaiah talking about a greater exile and a greater rescue. And he's speaking to a greater Israel. And that's the genius of, of this Advent hymn, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. It recognizes that the experience of Israel in exile wasn't just their experience. It's this recognition that exile is our human experience. That for moments or seasons, we may find ourselves in a time of exile, but also life on this planet is a life, even on the best day, where we're living in exile. And so this, this hymn it thinks about that experience of Israel living in exile, mourning, waiting for rescue. It simply says, isn't, isn't that like us? Things in this life, in this world, aren't as they should be. And we're mourning in exile and we're lonely, but we're believing, we're trusting that God will come and save us. So tonight, here's what I want to do our, I just want you to, and however you need to do this, if you need to close your eyes, that's fine. If, if you need to um, keep your eyes open, that's fine. But I just want you to think of a place in your life where you feel like you're in exile. 
uh, captivity or bondage. Or exile can also represent disconnection. Separation from loved ones. Uh, loneliness. Exile can represent hardship and trial, frightening seasons, scary, overwhelming seasons. I just want you to think about how and where you're in exile. And first, I just want to remind you that you're not alone. that all of God's people find ourselves in exile in different moments, in different seasons. And more than that, as I said already, in our best day on on this planet, we're still all in exile. This is not our ultimate home. But but I also want to ask you, however, however lonely and mournful and tiresome and fatiguing that exile is, I want to ask you, do you believe, do you believe that God has a plan to rescue you from it? And maybe that's hard for you to believe because it's, it's, it's a deep exile, or maybe it's hard for you to believe because it's been going on for a long, long time. And here's the thing the Bible teaches us about exile is that there's no telling how long It'll take, but it is only a matter of time. It's a matter of when, not if, our rescue will come. Can you believe that? And if you're struggling to believe that, as you you think about the, the challenges of this world, you're just seeing it as hopeless, you're thinking about a struggle or some form of exile in your life. And you're just struggling to believe that there's ever any rescue for it, that, that rescue is not coming, that it's just been too long or it's too far off or the situation's too dire. Um, here's something that I found that helps me in those moments. It helps me to remember other moments in my life where I have been equally hopeful, hopeless, <laughs> equally desperate, but I've seen God come through. And so if, if you're in a place where it's, it's hard to really believe that God's gonna keep doing this thing, he's gonna keep coming and rescuing, maybe you can think about another moment in your life where he has rescued you. And if you can't think of it in your life, maybe you can think about the stories of scripture, of, of God's faithfulness. That's why we have the scriptures, to remember that God's been doing this for a long time, a lot longer than we have been here, and he'll keep doing it for however long he needs to until Jesus comes back. But one thing that's consistent, people come and go, but God's faithfulness is the same. So, so maybe it's a story of, of the nation of Israel who did get returned to their homeland. Can you believe in your heart that no matter whatever exile you're in, he's come to rescue you? That that's what Jesus was coming to do to rescue you, and not only did Jesus come to do that once, but can you believe that Jesus is coming again? 
See, the haunting beauty of, of this song, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, it's a reminder that even in that mournful exile and those places that, gosh, we just, we just want to be out of there so badly and we're longing to be out of there, even while we endure, even while we wait, we can rejoice. Because we know that our God has come and he's coming back for us again and he always keeps his promises. And he will ransom us. And again, we don't know how long. But even if it's not a ransom that happens in this life, even if it happens in the next life, that's no disappointment because ultimately this life is exile. So um, as you listen to and sing this next song, um, and you can choose to do either, uh, it's a Pathfinder original, um, as, you, as you do this, uh, I just want you to keep that space in your heart. And again, if you're, if you're having trouble to believe that your time of exile will ever be over, just invite the spirit and the presence of God in. Ask for, ask for help believing, hoping against hope, being able to rejoice in the face of your hardship. And, um, and maybe that's not even about you. Maybe that's, maybe that's praying for someone else in your midst. But let's take time and do that while we sing, sing or listen to this song.
town of Bethlehem A miracle from heaven A little town of Bethlehem Emmanuel, we welcome him I invite you to pray. And as we pray tonight, I'm just going to prompt you with some prompts. Just have a moment to pray for whatever those prompts bring up in your heart. And then we will sum up each petition with the words on the screen. I'll say, let us pray to, I'll say, let us pray to the Lord. And you'll say, Lord, have mercy. That's right. That's right. So in peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For peace to dwell in our world. not just the peace of nations and armies, but the peace that comes from knowing Jesus Christ. For that peace, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For the church, for churches just in your own heart you can pray for our church pray for the church on earth pray for the faithfulness of God's people in trying times Jesus' church, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. For government officials, for those who bring justice, for those who are called to rule and righteousness and to do what's in the best interest of all, pray for those people and again if there's a name that comes to mind to you, for you or a situation just offer that up to God quietly in your heart right now for those who govern let us pray to the Lord Lord, have mercy. 